encouraging us and exhorting us to taste, to savor, to see that God is good in our life. Our taste is a choice that we make. Many people don't believe that the things of God taste nice because they've not chosen to taste it. They've not chosen to like it. They've not determined that I am going to love God and I'm going to love His Word and I'm going to taste of it and it is going to be my savor and my delights. Greetings to everybody at Grace Baptist Church. My name is Jeremy Johnson, missionary to South Africa, and I am thankful for the opportunity to be able to bring you the Word of God this evening, and I hope that it will be a help and an encouragement to you in your life and your walk with the Lord. Let's take our Bibles this evening now and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter number 16. Matthew, chapter number 16 this evening. Matthew, chapter number 16. And we're going to begin reading this evening in verse number 21. And we're going to read down through verse number 25. The Bible says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said, unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Here we find Jesus Christ revealing to uh, Peter and his disciples uh, God's will and plan that he must go to Jerusalem. He revealed to them that he was going to be arrested, that he was going to be beaten, that he was going to be taken out and crucified on the cross. Then he would die. Yet after three days, he would rise again. But instead of accepting and rejoicing in that truth, Peter immediately begins to respond to what he's hearing by taking hold of Jesus and rebuking him right there in front of the disciples, even going so far as to tell our Lord, this will not happen. Look at verse 22. Then Peter took him, grabbed hold of him, and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. I can only imagine the silence that must have surrounded them as Peter did this. Stop and imagine for a moment in your mind this evening of Peter standing there in front of the other disciples and literally taking Jesus and then standing there in pride and rebuking Jesus and forbidding Jesus to do what he had just told them would happen. I can only imagine the thoughts that went through the other disciples' minds. Perhaps even silently and quietly in their mind, they agreed with Peter. Lord, no, this can't happen. But maybe they weren't quite so vocal to respond. But Jesus responded. Jesus very quickly turned to Peter and rebuked him with some very strong words. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. That was a sharp rebuke. Oh, Jesus had rebuked others before. 
He had called people hypocrites. He had called them vipers. He had called them blind, leading the blind. But to turn and call Peter Satan. Jesus recognized that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but that there was a spiritual battle that was taking place in trying to prevent him from going to the cross and purchasing our salvation. I'm glad that Jesus rebuked Peter. I'm glad that Jesus would allow nothing to prevent him from going to that cross and purchasing our salvation. But my question tonight is why Peter would try and stand in his way? Why would Peter have given up all that he had, given up his life, his livelihood, and turned to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, to become his disciple, and now stand and rebuke the very one that he had just testified was the son of the living God? If you go back in chapter number 16 and you go up a little bit to verse 15, there was a conversation about, but who do you say, who, uh, but who say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered him and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So why was Peter standing in this prideful manner? Why was Peter standing before our Lord and rebuking him in such a way? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in the rest of verse number 23. It says, For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. The word savor refers to our taste and our affections. It's connected to those things that we delight in and we enjoy, to what we like, to, find, uh, to what we find flavorful, pleasant, valuable, and worthwhile. Peter did not believe that what Jesus was saying would taste nice. He didn't believe that what Jesus was saying about being beaten and then uh, going to the cross and suffering and dying would be something that would be pleasant and would be something valuable and enjoyable to Peter and to the rest of the disciples. Why? Jesus points to the fact that, the, that Peter was savoring after and had tasted instead of the things of God, the things that would be of man. And I want to ask you tonight, how is your savor? Is your savor for the things of God or is your savor for the things of men? Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us this evening. Our Father, we love you tonight. God, we are grateful for the opportunity to be able to preach your word and we're grateful for each and every one that's here to listen and God, Lord, I pray that you would give us a quietness tonight, a stillness. I pray that you would give us an honesty as we hear your word. And that God, in truth, we might respond to the leading and direction of your spirit. And God, you might truly stir us tonight to have a taste for the things of God, not a taste for the things that be of men. Help us, Lord, we ask now. Give me strength and wisdom as I preach. Be with each one as they listen and they hear. Might their heart be tender and receptive to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to see, first of all, this evening, that our savor can be influenced. Our savor can be influenced. If we see in verse number 23, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, For thou savorest not the things that be of God. And he said, But those that be of men. Peter's savor had been influenced by the beliefs of others around him. People at this time, many believed even that Jesus was their Messiah, but they believed that he had come to set up his kingdom and he was going to rule and reign. Most of them were not interested 
or looking for a savior from their sin. They were looking for a savior that would free them from the Romans. They were not concerned about physical things, but instead they were concerned about, uh, sorry, they were not concerned about spiritual things, but instead they were concerned about physical things. They liked what Jesus was doing. They liked the miracles. They liked the food. If we were to just go back a chapter, we would see that Jesus had just fed that multitude and they had followed after him and were rejoicing because of the food that they had eaten and the pleasantness uh, that Jesus was bringing into their life. They liked the popularity and they had become focused on how Jesus could meet their physical needs. Perhaps if we were to take this into our modern time and the day and age in which we live and the churches around us, this would be the prosperity type of gospel that they were believing. They were believing that all about Jesus was for them. All about Jesus was to bless them. All about Jesus was to meet and satisfy their physical needs. And the thought of Jesus going to the cross and the thought of him being beaten and dying and the thought of losing all of those blessings that they had by walking with him and spending time with him was not savory to them. Peter was affected because of the influence of those around him. And we need to remember tonight that a taste of the world and the things of the world will always destroy our taste for the things of God. Take and hold your place here in Matthew 16. We're going to come right back. But for a moment, would you go over and look with me at 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. The book of 1 John is written by John the Beloved. Probably the disciple that was the closest to Jesus Christ. And the book of 1 John is all about our love. Love to God and love to others. And with the change that it will make in our life. But in 1 John chapter 2. Look with me at verse number 15. The Bible says, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. A love for the things of this world will always decrease and destroy our love for the things of God. A bitter taste will always ruin the savor of the sweet. Tonight, I want you to think for just a moment of uh, maybe food that you enjoy that is savory to you. Maybe it's dessert. Maybe it's cookies. Maybe it's a piece of pie. Maybe it's brownies or some other dessert that just... You love to eat. You love the taste of it. You enjoy. I wish I could be physically with you this evening. Maybe we would have some kind of dessert after the service and we could savor that together. But before you were to savor such a delight, before you were to uh, take your taste buds and enjoy that pleasantness of the brownie or the piece of pie or the cookies, would you eat a lemon or a grapefruit? Would you take hold of that sour thing consume it and then reach for that thing that is sweet and pleasant we know we wouldn't we wouldn't take a lemon before we went through the dessert line we wouldn't take hold of a grapefruit before we grabbed that piece of pie because we know that that sour and bitter taste would destroy our savor our appreciation and our value of that which is sweet and the bitter things of this world and the bitter things of sin will always affect our savor for the things of God. One of the curious 
side effects that we have seen of COVID around the world is that many people have experienced a change of taste. If you talk to people that have suffered through COVID and you talk to people that have been affected by it, that's usually one of the things that they'll describe is that that change of taste that took place. How those things that were once savory and those things that once held flavor no longer held the, or no longer have held the appeal or the joy and pleasantness that they did before. If you look at some people after they've had COVID and take a side portrait, you'll see that they've lost weight. I've even had a few people tell me, boy, COVID was a, an amazing weight loss program because everything that they had tasted and enjoyed no longer was pleasant. It no longer had savor and they no longer had a desire for it. The things that they used to taste and the things that they used to look forward to no longer held attraction or joy to them and their savor was gone. It was influenced by COVID. But I wonder tonight if COVID-19 and all of the restrictions that it brought into our lives, the constantly changing information, the uncertainty and the fear has also influenced and affected our savor for the things of God. I wonder, has COVID and the restrictions and the fear and the uncertainty and the complications brought you closer to God? Enjoying more time in His Word and in prayer? Are you excited to be in church and worshiping God? Are we diligent to be witnessing and handing out tracts? Are we enjoying the savor of God's blessings on our life? Or have we become weak to walk with God? Lazy to be at church? Self-focused instead of giving out the gospel because of what has influenced us? COVID gave many people an opportunity to have more time with God. We couldn't go out and do what we used to do. We couldn't go shopping like we used to. We were confined. We were restricted. We were unable to do the things that before filled our life. In many ways. More time we had to pray. More time we had to invest and grow in our Christian life. More time to develop our savor for God. But instead many people sat down and watched TV. They searched the internet. They updated their social media accounts. And they consumed the things of this world. Your savor is influenced by the things around you. Your savor is also influenced by the people and the environment in which you're raised. Growing up, I remember there were certain things that my dad did not like to eat, but certain things my mom did. And my mom was usually pretty quiet, and she would just in quietness eat what she enjoyed. But my dad would often say, ah, that stuff doesn't taste good. Don't eat that. Why are we wasting money on buying that? Because of my dad and his influence in my life. As a young man, I was convinced, you know what, there's no savor in those things. Those things don't taste nice. I'm not going to try them. I'm not going to eat them because of the influence of others. One day I remember deciding to try some of those things. I decided to, uh, to, to taste them for myself. And I was amazed. Hey, there was savor in them. All this time I've been missing out. All this time I have missed out on the enjoyment and the pleasure of those things because I had believed the influence of others. I've met people here in Africa 
believe it or not, that don't like ice cream. And they don't like ice cream. They don't like ice cream because it's not something common to them. It's not something they grew up with. It's not something they experienced. And the first time they had ice cream, it was so cold. It brought such pain to their mouth and their teeth that they said, there is no pleasantness. There is no savor. I don't like this. I don't want it. Because of their influence and environment in which they were raised. Today, I'm afraid there are many Christians that don't want to taste and savor the things of God because they have been influenced by others to believe that what God wants to do is take away their fun. They have believed that God wants to make them miserable. They have been led to believe a lie that you can be saved and you can live however you want and you can continue to walk and enjoy the pleasures of sin. But they don't know a savor for the things of God because of the influence of others. Peter heard what Jesus was saying about the cross. He heard what Jesus was saying about the beating and the crucifixion and his death. And when Peter heard of that, he said, this does not sound good. This does not sound pleasant. This does not sound like it will be enjoyable in my life. Because of the influence of others. Praise the Lord that later in 1 Peter, he would testify to us that the trial of our faith is of much is much more precious than of gold that perisheth. The Apostle Paul could testify that he gloried in infirmity that the power of Christ would rest upon him. He could say that the sufferings of this life were nothing in comparison to the glory that would be revealed. But this evening I'm telling you, be careful of your companions. Be careful of your social media. Be careful of who and what you allow to influence your life because it will affect your savor for the things of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Tonight I want you to be challenging yourself. How is your taste? Your taste can be influenced. But secondly, tonight I want you to see that ultimately your taste, your savor, is chosen. Go back with me to Matthew chapter number 16. And look again with me at verse number 23. The Bible says, But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. As we look at this verse, what is the Lord pointing to as the root of the problem? We understand tonight that we will be influenced by this world. We live in this world. We're to be a light in this world. God's plan is not that we would be taken out of the world, but that we would be in the world, but not of the world. So what was Peter's problem? His problem, the root, was his choice. In the middle of verse number 23, as Jesus is speaking and rebuking Peter, he said, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. The blame was not placed upon those things of men. The blame was placed upon Peter's choice, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. Tonight you need to decide on your savor. You need to make a choice what you will taste and what you will enjoy. 
People and things can influence your savor, but ultimately you make the choice. Why is it that some people enjoy certain things, but others don't? I wonder tonight if we asked how many people enjoyed grapefruit, how many people there would enjoy grapefruit? I wonder if we asked tonight how many of you enjoy uh, lemon? How many people would enjoy lemon? But I wonder tonight if I was to peel a grapefruit. Oh, I love grapefruit. I enjoy grapefruit. I can take a grapefruit and I can peel it apart just like an orange and pull it off piece by piece and put it in my mouth and I savor it. I enjoy it. But tonight, tonight, maybe there's some of you that don't like grapefruit. And if I was to peel that grapefruit and I was to pull off pieces and I was to begin to hand it out amongst those of you there in the church and you were to take of it, there might be some of you that would say, I like it, but there would probably be many that would say, I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. This does not taste good. Why? Does that grapefruit and its taste somehow change as we place it into different people's mouths? It's the same grapefruit. It's the same pieces. It's just put into a different mouth. You see, we decide on our choice. We just, sorry, we decide on our taste. We decide on our savor. We make decisions about what we will like and what we will not. A grapefruit does not give a sour taste in one mouth and a pleasant taste in another. The difference is their choice. Here in South Africa, and throughout much of Africa, many of the people ate, eat, sorry, eat a staple called pop. Now it's not P-O-P, soda pop. It's not Coca-Cola or Pepsi or some other brand. But instead it's ground corn that is uh, boiled and steamed and then served in a kind of a creamy texture. And if you go throughout different southern African countries, whether it's uh, Kenya or whether it's Zambia or Mozambique or, 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 or uh, Zimbabwe or South Africa, you'll find that all of them like it in a slightly different way. And if you were to take and invite them to a meal and you were to cook for them pop and you were to hand it out and disperse it to those individuals from different places, they would have a different opinion of whether it tastes good or not. Not because that pop changes taste as it goes into their mouth. Not because there is a difference in it, but simply because of what they have chosen to like and what they have been influenced by and what they have chosen to enjoy. Your savor is a choice. There are some things I don't have a savor for. There are some things I have chosen not to savor and I have chosen not to enjoy. Another interesting food here in South Africa, and the one that maybe many of you are familiar with, is tripe. Now somebody told me one time that eating tripe is an acquired taste, and I don't plan to acquire it. <laughs> I don't like tripe. I've tasted it once or twice, and I have chosen, I don't like it. But there are many people that do. There are many people that would say, mmm, kunandi. In Zulu, that means sweet. Flavorful, savory. Your savor is chosen. Even secular science, if you were to take and research why is some food pleasant to some people and unpleasant to others, they will tell you that most of it is a result of personal choice and the environment in which they are raised. Our taste is learned. 
But science doesn't understand that what they're saying is a Bible truth. Again, hold your spot here in Matthew 16, but quickly turn with me to Psalm chapter number 34. Psalms chapter number 34. Psalms chapter number 34. And look with me at verse number 8. The Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. The Bible is encouraging us and exhorting us to taste, to savor, to see that God is good in our life. Our taste is a choice that we make. Many people don't believe that the things of God taste nice because they've not chosen to taste it. They've not chosen to like it. They've not determined that I am going to love God and I'm going to love his word and I'm going to taste of it and it is going to be my savor and my delights. Look over in Jeremiah chapter number 15. Jeremiah chapter number 15. And in Jeremiah 15 now in verse number 16, the Bible says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. He says, thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Thy words were found and I did eat them. There was a choice. I'll tell you tonight that there is a deceitful pleasure in sin for a season. Sin is like a cheap package of chewing gum. One of those cheap brands that you buy and you put the gum in your mouth and you chew on it. And for a few seconds there is a pleasantness. There is a savory taste. But after just a few minutes, perhaps, the taste is gone. And all that's left is this taste of rubber, this taste of emptiness, this taste of no meaning or value. The savor has disappeared. The savor of sin can never match the lasting savor of the things of God. Your savor is chosen, so you need to decide on your savor. Secondly, you need to develop your savor for the things of God. You need to make a choice that you are going to taste and see that the Lord is good. You need to develop and improve your love and your flavor for the things of God. Look over with me at Colossians. This was an interesting verse that I saw as I was studying. Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. And look with me at verse number 1 and verse number 2. The Bible says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Interestingly, that that word affections there is coming out of the same Greek root word that we have savor in Matthew 16. And what God is saying is that your savor, your taste, your affection needs to be set on the things of God. You need to learn how to read your Bible and enjoy it. You need to learn to get in the savor and to experience the love and leading of God as you spend time in His Word. You need to learn to sit down with your Bible, not in a hurry, but giving it time. Taking out a, a journal or some paper, a, a notebook, a pen, and being quiet and listening and writing down and learning as the Spirit of God is teaching you. But many people want to treat their Bible reading in a hurry. We're late for work. We're late for school. We have things we need to do. 
So many times when we're in a hurry and we want to grab something to eat, we grab something quick on our way out the door or we stop and grab something on our way to where we're going. But usually it's not savory if it's in a hurry. Your walk with God is not like a bowl of Rice Krispies. Snap, crack a pop, and away I go. You need to learn to enjoy obeying God. You need to learn to enjoy with God's help, applying the truths of what He's teaching you and what you're learning into your life and learn that savor and sweetness of living for Him. Learn the sweetness of being in church and serving God together in unity. I'm amazed even here you could often see it's a church when we do things together, whether it's a vacation Bible school or a revival or some kind of church fellowship or even a work day. The sweetness, the smiles, the joy in the life and the faces of people as they are savoring being united together in unity and serving God. But why do we relegate those opportunities to just a couple of times a year? Why do we not make it serious to enjoy that savor and that unity and that fellowship on Sundays and during the midweek and at soul winning times and at Bible studies and at church cleaning and whatever opportunity there is to be together and serve the Lord? Learn the savor of bringing others to Christ and then encouraging them and discipling them to grow in their love for God. If you're not leading someone to the Lord, and if you're not encouraging and discipling someone else, then you're missing out on a savor and a sweetness that God wants you to enjoy. Learn the savor of willingly and lovingly being able to give of your possessions to the Lord. The Bible says that God loveth a cheerful giver. I remember many years ago the story of a little boy that went to Sunday school. And that little boy had a loony in one pocket and he had a $10 bill in the other. And that boy was struggling when it came time for the offering. Should I put in that one or should I put in the 10? And the Sunday school teacher to encourage him said, well, God loves a cheerful giver. And as that offering plate came by, the boy was thinking about that over and over again. And as the Sunday school teacher was watching out of the corner of her eye, that boy put in the $1 and kept the 10 Later on, she discreetly looked for a way to talk to him after class. And she said, I noticed that you were struggling. What did you decide? He said, well, I decided I put in the one. And I keep the ten. Because you told me that God loves a cheerful giver. And I decided I'd be more cheerful if I gave the one and I kept the ten. You know, today so often, we are missing out on the savor and the sweetness of sacrificially giving in love to our God. There's a sweetness in our salvation that you should know. There's a sweetness in surrender. And there is a sweetness and a savor in serving God. And if you'll develop your savor for God and the things of God, it'll help you lose your savor for the things of this world, the things that be of men. You need to decide. You need to develop. And lastly, you need to demonstrate your savor. I want you to go back now to Matthew 16 with me for just a moment. And I want you again to picture in your mind the event that is taking place that we are looking at. Go back with me to Matthew 16 and verse number 22. And I want you to picture as Peter now takes the Lord. It says, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, 
Be it far from thee, O Lord. This shall not be unto thee. What kind of influence was Peter having on others? As he stood there arguing and rebuking the Lord. What kind of influence was he having on the other disciples? What kind of influence was he having on others that were passing by or had stopped to watch and to see what was taking place? Tonight I want you to think, how can we influence others to come and know Christ if we don't demonstrate a savor, a taste, an affection in our life for Him? Jesus described us as being the salt of the earth. That word salt describing the fact that we should have a preservative influence, but that also we should have a savor that draws other people to want to know God, to be forgiven of their sin, to enjoy the fellowship of having a heavenly Father, to be able to enjoy prayer, to be able to enjoy walking with Him, and to anticipate our heavenly home. But people see no need of a Savior when we demonstrate no savor. People have no need of a Savior from their sin if we don't show them the love and the savor and the affection that we have for God because of what He's done for us. Why would they want to hear about their sin forgiven? Why would they want to hear about coming to church? Why would they want to be a Christian? When we walk around and grumble and complain and live for the things of men just like them. My question tonight is, how's your Savior? Is it for the things of men? Or is it for the things of God? Oh, our Savior can be influenced. But ultimately, our Savior is a choice. And your Savior is a choice that only you can make. Will you savor the things of God? Or will you savor the things of Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.